Hey gang, it's time for a real ad. Darn Tough makes premium merino socks engineered from nearly 40 years of experience at their mill in Northfield, Vermont, and made without any Russian interference. Darn Tough socks are unconditionally guaranteed to be the most comfortable, durable, best-fitting socks you've ever owned. Use promo code CONVERGE at checkout for 20% off your first order at darntough.com. Hello and welcome to Converge. I'm Casey Newton, back after an unexpected week off, and I can't wait to tell you why. My guest today is Roger Lynch, CEO of Pandora. It's one of the most familiar names in music, and yet, if you're like me, you might not have listened to Pandora in a while. Uh, Why is that? I wanted to talk to Roger about what he's been up to there. He took over as the CEO of Pandora last September after serving as the CEO of Sling TV. Before that, he worked at the Dish Network. This man loves his media. But first, and speaking of media, you may have noticed that last week's episode of Converge went missing, which I feel a responsibility to address as the host. So, you know, the way we do things here on Converge is people agree to come on the show, and then we trust that they will honor their commitments as adults. And last week, a couple hours before the recording sesh, our guest, who was the co-founder of a blockchain company called Circle, canceled. And when I say canceled, did he call me? Did he send me an apology? Maybe an edible arrangement? No. He had his PR agency send me an email to say that he wasn't coming. So on one hand, I'm very disappointed by this because for the entire life of Converge, all I've wanted to do is bring y'all a blockchain episode. And then Sean Neville of Circle dashed those dreams. Now at the same time, the rules of Converge are very simple. If you fail to show up for your scheduled appearance, you forfeit. And that means, Sean Neville, you've done something that many people believed would never happen, especially in our first season. You have lost a game of Converge, a show in which simply showing up all but guarantees victory. And so now, until the end of time, you will sit at the bottom of the Converge leaderboard with a score of zero which will hopefully serve as a warning to all other guests who might consider canceling on me at the last minute. And yet to look at it from yet another perspective, perhaps to look at it from the bright side, that means that I am the winner of last week's game of Converge. Huge congratulations to me. I have now won as many games of Converge as anyone else in the history of this podcast. Andrew, I'm hoping you can play some celebration music underneath this part of the show, maybe some fireworks. Uh, people uh, like blowing those party uh, buzzer things. But enough about that. We still have two games to play this season. Will anyone else lose? Actually, someone else just canceled on me today. So yes, someone did. But we're not going to talk about that right now. We're going to talk about Roger Lynch and Pandora. Pandora was one of the first streaming services I ever used, and it was amazing back in the day before iTunes even existed. You could fire up Pandora at your desktop at work and listen to a wide range of music that was personalized to you. But then iTunes came along, and then Spotify came along, and Pandora started to lose listeners. So last year they brought in Roger in an effort to figure it all out, and as you'll hear in the episode, the business part of Pandora is still pretty strong. But how do you navigate a big company like this into the future? I think you'll be interested in Roger's answers, and it is now time to play Converge. (laughs) 
It's time for another game of Converge. Each week, we bring on some of Silicon Valley's most fascinating personalities, and they compete to see how high they can go on the all-time Converge leaderboard. My guest today is Roger Lynch, CEO of Pandora. Roger was appointed president and CEO of Pandora in September of 2017, and he has overseen a broad reimagining of one of the most familiar names in tech. Roger, are you ready to make sweet music with me here on Converge today? Oh, I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> Very good. Let's get started. Converge, of course, consists of three rounds, the big idea, the interview round, and the wild card round, and it's time to get started. The first game we play on every episode of Converge is the big idea. Roger, I asked you ahead of time to bring me your biggest and best idea of a non-self-promotional nature, and we'll pick it apart to see what's inside. Points are awarded on the basis of originality, presentation, profit potential, and whether I personally agree with it. So, Roger, what's your big idea? Okay, well, you know, my big idea, it's not self-promotional, but it it is self-serving. Okay. I really <laughs> hope somebody does this because I will use it. As you may, you may know, I'm a musician. I play in a band, and my bandmates are all in Denver. You know, with the last company I ran, Sling TV, it was based in Denver. And so whenever we have to rehearse, I have to get on a plane and fly to Denver, and they just have to get out of bed and move, you know, make their way to the studio. So... It has surprised me that it, what doesn't exist today is almost like a Cisco telepresence for rehearsals, right? The technology is there. There's, you know, extremely low latency networks. You can do online gaming, first-person shooter games online, which are very low latency. And so almost like a WeWork for musicians where hmm. you can show up to a facility that has lots of small studios and virtually you have a band practice and could rehearse or even record um, with all the tools that are necessary, like the ability the ability to mix the sound that you're hearing from the other bandmates, and uh, I just think that uh, it's an it's a uh, that would be a facility that would get a lot of use. So I want to understand what this would look like. Like my the first thing I pictured was a bunch of those like double telepresence robots with iPads showing faces, and then maybe there's like a drum kit at at the base. Um, how, how do you like sort of do a telepresence band rehearsal? I think you just have a you could have big screens where you could see the other um, bandmates because you know w- when you're playing music, it is not just listening; it's also you're interacting with the other people who, who you're playing with. And so the ability to see them, to interact with them as if you're in the same room, um, I think is an important part of it. And so it would be really, I think, giant screens where you would see the different members of the band. They may all be in different locations, different cities at these facilities. And, uh, and connected with a um, very high-fidelity sound system with, as I mentioned, uh, near-zero latency. Right. Okay, so which instrument do you play? I play guitar. And how many people are in your band? You know, there's uh, there's five core people in the band and then a few that come and go. Right, <laughs> whenever you need like a sax player or a trumpet yeah, or something. Yeah, backup singers and things like that. Right. Okay, and so in your particular situation, most of your band is in Denver, and then you, so, so maybe even they can perform in, in one space, and you go to the telepresence facility, and you're sort of able to maybe beam in to to where they are. Exactly. And so in your mind, like there's kind of a big screen and they look up and your guitar is plugged in, uh, but it's, I don't, I don't know, maybe even kind of got a movie theater quality where every time they look up, they say, oh, there's Roger. And because the latency is so low, every time you hit a, a note on your guitar, you're able to kind of seamlessly integrate with whatever the band is doing. Exactly. And then I'm able to hear all of them and importantly, adjust the mix of what I hear from them. So when we play on stage, we have these little in-ear systems. And on my iPhone or an iPad, I can adjust the mix so I can hear you know, more drums or more bass, what I need to do to play my part. 
And you'd be able to do the same thing in a rehearsal facility right. like this. So I feel like some people would listen to this and wonder if this wasn't a good application for virtual reality. Like if you mm-hmm. might be able to strap an Oculus Go or some other VR headset uh, on, on your face. Casey, I thought about that, but you got to think about the practical. Let's say you're a guitar player. <laughs> right. And you've got this screen on your face. You can't see your guitar. Or if you're a piano player or is a it drummer. Impo- is it important to look at your guitar while you're playing it? It is important. Yeah. It is important. You know, a lot of... A lot of what you play, you, you probably don't need to, but there are times when you, if you're making a big change on the on the frets and going way up high on the instrument, that you need to know where you're landing. Right, you, know, you want to look down, and I'm sure it's the same for a drummer or or a piano player. That makes sense. Is it something where like it could be a kit that you installed in your own home, or do you think it's important that that people be able to to go to a physical space? You know, they they do make software collaboration tools like this for in home. But the, the problem with that is you still, first of all, the quality um, of the experience, the latency that exists, and the sound. And so I think to really do this well, to really make it where it's not just a collaboration tool, it's actually something where you could record live or um, really rehearse, you need something that is a much higher, higher quality level than exists today. That, that's true. I mean, you break up an important point, and this is sort of one of my pet issues, which is that business video chat software just does not work. And and I've I've been down at Google and Facebook companies that have unlimited money to install whatever video conferencing system. And in fact, they've built their own video conferencing systems in some cases. And they'll tell you, yeah, like, it, you know, it, it doesn't work. We hate it. You know, okay, maybe not their exact words, but there's a lot of frustration <laughs> over this. Uh, and I know that in my own job, you know, we use software called Zoom. And, you know, Zoom works, I'm going to say, 80% of the time, but you still have this thing where it's like, hey, can you put yourself on mute? Oh, can you take yourself off mute? Right? You're sort of always exactly. doing this dance. Or the image freezes. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, or all of a sudden, you know the internet connection drops out. So something that you're describing, you know, which which may not sound like um, it would require a giant technological advance. I'm actually not sure we could build this <laughs> to, to, in this day and age. Uh, it, it feels like we sort of need uh, another breakthrough to get there. I think you need higher quality connections and dedicated connections, which is why I think you have to do it in dedicated facilities. So where they're connected by their own fiber networks, you know, to the other facilities around the country and the different cities that exist, you need high quality video systems and you need very high quality sound systems and you need tools to control the sound. I think if you can do all that, I think the technology is there to be able to accomplish something like this. Totally. All right, let's talk about the business. So somebody out there, please invent this and go build it so I can start using it and stop traveling to Denver for my band. (laughs) But let's talk about this business a little bit. So, okay, let's say somebody's listening to this and they say, you know what, Roger, that's actually a great idea. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get some funding. And maybe the investors come back to them and they say, all right, you know, we've taken a look at how many uh, bands there are in America that might use such a a service. And we're, we're not convinced the market is enough to build a national network of these facilities. Are there other things that you could see people doing in these uh, in these facilities that might help whoever is running them uh, make a little more money. You know, I, I you know my thought on them is really um, dedicated to music, but uh, there are a surprisingly large number of musicians and bands that exist in the country, and I think there's a lot also of latent interest in it. So, you know, if I think about you know my old high school band as, as as an example. So there were four of us played a band in high school. Three of us still play in bands today, and we've you know but we all live in different cities across the country, and we've talked about getting together somewhere to play again. It just hasn't happened because the logistics are too tough. But something like this would actually, where otherwise it wouldn't happen, could create a, a you know condition where it, where it could happen. And so 
I think it could expand the market for uh, musicians to collaborate in ways they haven't before. Yeah. You know, there are also other kinds of performances where people aren't able to be physically present, where they they might benefit from this. Uh, I'm in an improv comedy troupe. That's uh, my particular uh, fun hobby that I do. And one of the members of my troupe moved to LA. We only get to see her now a few times a year. Uh, but man, if she could come to one of these spaces and we could sort of have the feel of us improvising with her, even if it were just on a big screen, you know, that's it might a great be kind idea. Of fun. I mean, Casey, you think yeah. about improv comedy, which is making its way into podcasts now. I'm sure a big part of improv is being able being able to not just react to what you're hearing, but what from, what you're seeing from the people that uh, you're doing the improv with. Exactly, so, and actually, like the, the you low, just came up with another use case. There you go. Like, I'm on this podcast <laughs> to help people, Roger. A lot of people, you know, I, I evaluate people and I score them, and it can get very tense in here. But at the end of the day, I'm trying to help people. So yeah, I think improv, you know, could be a, a, a use for this. I think there are other kinds of theater. I mean, I can even imagine people putting on performances in these spaces with like a special guest who's appearing on on the screen behind them. So there's a, there's a lot of room to kind of play around here. Did you happen to come up with a name for this this business? Any ideas coming to mind? I know, so I know I'm putting you on the spot. You know, I didn't. I think of it as like a we work for musicians, mm. but I didn't come up with a name for it. We work for music. My first thought was Jam Pad, which is what Travis Kalanick called his house before he invented <laughs> Uber. So I don't know if he would let you have that, but I can connect you guys if you want to look into that. All right. Fantastic. It is now time to score your idea. Originality. I think this idea is a lot of fun. It made me want to go to it, you know, as I personally increasingly spend most of my life staring at a screen. I get interested in ideas that are about tech, but also involve entering the real world. So I'm giving you an eight on originality. Presentation, I think, was very solid. You know, listen, you're the CEO of a public company, so you have to play things down the middle. You can't get too excited about things. You know, you got to manage people's expectations. So you kind of had a dry approach, but I respect that because it helped me get excited. So I'm giving you a seven there. Profit potential. Roger, I got to be real. We really only had the one idea for musicians. <laughs> I'm a little worried about the capital expenses needed to construct a, na- a nationwide network of these facilities. So I'm open to hearing more, but in the meantime, I'm going to give you a six. And then finally, do I agree with it? I'm giving you a nine on this because I know that if such a facility existed, I would certainly try to, you know, put it to my own uses. And if there were a bunch of like virtual bands uh, springing up around the country, I think that could lead to some interesting things. So at the end of the big idea, I will quickly tally up the scores here. Roger, 30 points in the big idea round, which puts you in an excellent position heading into the interview round. The round where you attempt to charm our listeners in a way that burnishes your personal brand and improves your standing as a thought leader. Roger, uh, Pandora was one of the first streaming music services I ever used, and it got me through many a workday. But honestly, once RDO and then Spotify came along and I could stream whatever I wanted, I switched over. And until very recently, I, I hadn't looked back. So how big a problem are people like me for you, and, and what are you doing about it? Yeah, you know, one of the things that uh, really intrigued me about Pandora when I joined was the scale of the business and the brand. And, you know, 96% brand awareness. It's the largest streaming service by far, about almost 50% bigger than Spotify in terms of users in the U.S. So it just felt to me like there's some real value here. And yet it sort of had lost its way. You know, it, it was the leader. It was a, It's an iconic brand. 
Um, and yet others, you know, were able to steal a march on it. And uh, to me, that was a cool challenge. I really liked that challenge. And it was music, which, you know, is near and dear to my heart. So I think it's still by a long way the most used music service in the U.S. And the challenge for for Pandora is really to make sure it's relevant across all demographics. And it had lost a bit of relevance with younger listeners in particular. And so things that we have done, and part part of the reason was, you know, I, I saw this in the different uh, video businesses that I've run throughout my career, is that younger people want much more interactivity, right? You see it over and over and over again. And Pandora, which really perfected a lean back experience, was short on interactivity. And so one of the first things we did was, okay, how do we bring more interactivity to our ad-supported product? And obviously, Pandora has launched a premium service a little over a year ago. It's growing you know, quite fast. But we wanted to also address that in the ad-supported product. So uh, one of the first things we did was create um, something called Premium Access, where now you can listen to any song, any playlist, any album without a subscription just by watching an ad. It's a pretty cool feature, and it's really getting high levels of use with younger listeners who then... Uh, have much higher propensity to subscribe. So there's a bunch of things we're doing. You know, the partnership that we just announced with Snap uh, is another one to uh, to reach younger uh, users. Yeah, explain how this works. Well, if you think about music sharing today through social media, if you're, as you mentioned, Spotify, um, if you if you want to share a song with me through Instagram or something, you could share it with me. But if I'm a Ma- an Apple Music user or a Pandora user and you're a Spotify user, we're out of luck. Right? I can't listen to the song. We would both have to be subscribers of the same service to be able to listen to that song. So what we did is we took that premium access feature that I just mentioned, which opens it up to anyone. So it doesn't matter. You could be Pandora, Apple, Spotify, whatever. It doesn't matter. And I could share through Snap with you, and you could play any song. If you're a subscriber, you could play it without an ad. If you're not, you watch an ad, and then you're into uh, into the premium access feature, and you can I could share a whole playlist with you that you could listen to. So it really, I think it's really taking sharing to a new level. And obviously, we know Snap's user base, very large user base uh, that indexes much younger people who want to share are younger. So it's it's a nice uh, it's a nice feature for us to uh, to be rolling out. Yeah. So it sounds like you're looking for ways to maybe reintroduce Pandora to uh, younger folks or people who might might not have picked it up in a while. That's correct. Yeah. You know, uh, so uh, y'all let me try out your your premium version, which I hadn't had uh, a chance to try. And it is, it's very clean. Uh, I believe you guys uh, work with some of the folks who used to work at RDO, which is like one of my favorite services ever. And so I know that they brought a lot of their kind of design talent to to what you're doing. And I was struck by how simple it is compared to some of the other music services, which maybe look like kind of Excel spreadsheets um, in in a lot of ways. At the same time, the those services also do a lot of promotion of like this is the you know this is the big new album everyone's listening to and like here's this week's new music and Pandora at least you know from what I what I've seen so far seems like it's still kind of laser focused on here's here's your radio stations just like click one button and then kind of forget it which is that kind of lean back experience that, that you were talking about so you know is that a strategic choice or do you see you know maybe over the next two three years Pandora evolving to maybe look more like one of these newer services like a Spotify and Apple Music. I think you hit hit it on the head. If you think about the the history of let's take Spotify and Pandora. When Pandora started, they had a set of rights for music that had constraints on it. You couldn't allow people to create playlists. It just didn't exist within the rights that they had, and it was going to be ad supported. So Pandora had to get really good at two things: discovery in a lean back way, which means really personalization. 
really understanding who you are, what your what the music is that you like, and creating a really highly personalized experience such that you didn't need to interact with it. It just played what you liked. And then it also had to get really good at monetizing digital audio through advertising. Fortunately, Pandora got really good at both of those, really excels at that. If you take Spotify, they started at it from a completely different angle, which is here's a search box, here's all the music, just type in what you want. And then obviously they've evolved since then and created a lot more functionality and playlists and autoplay and, and Pandora's evolved creating premium. So services are moving more towards each other, but I think each is really playing off their core strengths. Spotify in terms of you know search and discovery and Pandora in terms of personalization, the lean back experience. And so what we try to do through our premium product is give you the ability to play anything you want, any playlist, but also not make it so that you have to choose something. Because you may just want to let Pandora take over, and it does quite a good job at it, and you can just sit back and let it play. Yeah. It, you know, it's I, I'm somebody who has always been more inclined to the, like, let me tell you exactly what I want to hear now, school of thought. But I remember when Pandora launched, and everyone I knew uh, sort of fell in love with it immediately, precisely because they didn't have to, to do that. Um, so I, I think it's going to be very interesting, actually, to watch how your services evolves over the next couple of years as you sort of try to understand your marketplace a little bit and, uh, and, and how their own maybe tastes uh, are evolving. So, so you guys recently reported your earnings, and you did very well. You beat in, uh, investors' expectations. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about sort of where where you guys are stronger now, um, maybe in, in ways that people don't realize, and and where you're able to earn more revenue. Yeah, we did we did um, we did exceed expectations, which was uh, nice to do. It's a, actually the third quarter in a row since I've joined that we've been able to do that. And um, you know, our subscription business grew sixty seven percent year over year, so that was a clear winner. Um, in this quarter, but also our ad-supported business was very strong. One of the things I think that um, maybe some people may misunderstand about Pandora is they think about free services as just as a funnel for paid. And clearly, that's part of what we do at Pandora. But actually, the majority of our revenue, 70% of our revenue is advertising. Hmm. And our ad-supported products actually have better margins than subscription. Hmm. It's a really good business for us. It's also, I think, increasingly strategic. And the reason I say that is if you think about where most music listening happens still today, it's still radio. It's not Pandora. It's not, I mean, Pandora is the largest of streaming, but radio still has a massive audience. And it's still a very old technology. I mean, it's broadcast. There's no personalization to it. There's no on-demand, no interactivity. Um, the ads are all broadcast, not personalized. That's ripe for change. And if you want to migrate the hundreds of millions of people who listen to radio every week to a streaming service, well, you better be good at ads because that's a $15 billion advertising market. And you better be good at creating personalization and ease of use because that's the reason you're going to get people to stop using radio, which is really easy to use yeah. and switch to your service. Yeah. That's what is uh, interesting to think about because – as you well know, if you're a streaming service and you go out and you make a, a deal with a record company, you have to hand over, it feels like almost everything that you earn from that subscription right back to the record label, whereas you know you sell ads, you got to keep a lot more of that. So uh, that is something that I, I should think about more. You know, now, at the same time, I did note that the total hours people spend listening to Pandora you know, dipped in the last quarter, and you know, maybe this has been something of a trend. So how do you think about growing that number and going out and getting more of those people who are still listening to, to radio. Yeah, it's, um, you know, 
one of our uh, big objectives is to grow the number of listeners we have. And last year, you know, if you look at before I joined, you saw Pandora's number of listeners was declining. And in fact, that decline was accelerating throughout the year. Um, in the first quarter, we were able to reverse that. Uh, it, uh, it declined but by a lot less and, uh, and similarly in the, in the second quarter. So a bunch of the things that we're building and putting in place are starting to take hold. And I think that's why you've seen the stock react so positively in the last uh, three or four months. And in, in particular, when we think about the marketing that we're doing. So what, one of the core strengths of Pandora is in data and data science. It's how we have such high engagement. As an example, you know, the average ad-supported Pandora listener listens about 50% longer than the average ad-supported Spotify listener. Hmm. That's a huge difference in engagement. It's driven by data and data science. It's, it's really a core strength of Pandora. We use it really well in our product. We use it really well for our advertisers. That's how we're able to monetize advertising so well. We didn't use it well in our marketing, which really was a head-scratcher to me, but it frankly put a big smile on my face because I know how to do that. I know how to fix that. We had to bring in a new team. We had to build some marketing technology tools, but that's starting to take hold. And those efforts really are designed to do three things. Drive our subscription business. Check. We did that. We had, you know, Our net ads doubled this quarter over last quarter. Drive more listeners. That's still a work in process, but we're starting to see improvements in there. But also improve engagement. And we're definitely seeing that, Whether, however you measure it, the number of hours per, that you know, listeners listen uh, the number of days that they're active in a month and a quarter, we're seeing engagement trends improve across Pandora. So we're starting to see results of it. And I think investors are starting to realize that there really are some legs here. And we're still in the early innings of, of uh, all the stuff that we have on our plate to do. Where are you finding new listeners? Like, is your best potential new customer maybe somebody who has only ever listened to the radio? Is it uh, possible to peel away people from some of the other, you know, paid streaming services? Or, or where do you view your kind of next big audience? Yeah, you know, just by virtue of the size of Pandora and uh, how long it's been in the market, in any given month, about a third of all adults in the U.S. listen to Pandora. And, uh, you know, over the course of a year, it might be close to 150 million people. So the vast majority of adults in the U.S. have used Pandora, have a Pandora account, which means we have some data on you know, the listening. And, and that's what we're able to then, especially with this new feature of premium access that I described, create personalized marketing to you. So our biggest source of customers will be former customers just because the sheer scale of the business. But there's also new customers every day you know, in particular younger people, that we can expose to Pandora to. So really our efforts are in recapture of listeners, um, which is the bigger source, um, but also in new listeners, which is predominantly focused on younger listeners. Right. So ho hoping that Snapchat partnership uh, is fruitful. So maybe as a last question here, for people who are listening to Pandora or uh, maybe thinking about taking another look at it. What can you tell them about what you're working on now? Is there anything you can sort of tantalize us with uh, that you're going to bring to the product that is maybe going to you know, help people enjoy music more? Well, you know, there's a bunch of features that we've just launched that, uh, that have been rolling out. Personalized playlists is, is one good example. So again, using the data science we have for our premium subscribers, uh, every week they get a set of personalized playlists. But it's not just, here's your playlist. It's, here's your playlist by genre. Right, because you know, for me, I know I like lots of different kinds of music, but I don't like it, them all at once. Sometimes I'm in the mood for a certain kind of music, and other times I want something more laid back. So we personalize it by genre and by mood for every subscriber. 
That's a new feature that is a pretty cool feature that's getting very strong use in our premium service. We just launched Family Plan for our premium subscribers. And a new feature on that is our family soundtrack. So if you think about you're in your car driving, let's say you have wife and kids, and inevitably it's like, whose playlist is going to play? Well, if you put on the Our Family soundtrack, it takes the best from everyone in the family, creates a personalized soundtrack, looking at the similarities between everybody's interests. And again, it's a personalized soundtrack for the family leveraging the real strength that we have around personalization and, and data. So those are new features that have just been launched recently. And uh, the other big things that are in the works, something that should be near and dear to your heart, is our podcast genome, which is if you think about music discovery before Pandora, you might have listened to the radio. Maybe you looked at the Billboard 100, right? It, there was nothing personalized about that. And then Pandora created personalized music discovery, right? That doesn't exist in podcasts. You might look at a chart, Right? You might see what your friends are. You know, There's nothing personalized about that. Pandora is doing now, we're building for podcasts what we did for music, which is the podcast genome, so that we can present to you as a Pandora listener a personalized experience that will delight you just like we do with music. That's something that there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes, something that we plan to launch uh, by the end of this year. And we think that you know, if you think about podcasts, the two things that, that – um, even though listening is growing fast, we think that there are two big problems. One is discovery. Gee, that's a core strength of Pandora. And the second is monetization. Mm, yeah. Gee, that's a core strength of Pandora. And so we think there's a lot we can bring to podcasts. And I'm excited about that launch. I know, uh, you know in, in the music project, you, you guys have all those talented people that would sort of pick apart music and say, you know, this is like a you know, female singer with like, you know, country guitars, sort of like all these different identifiers. And so that immediately has me thinking, oh my gosh, what identifiers are they going to put on me for this podcast? You know, it's going to be like smarmy host with like bad <laughs> jokes or anyway to keep me posted on how you guys describe me if you would oh we will uh, yeah oh boy <laughs> all right i should have been nicer to you during this interview <laughs> All right. If you heard that sound, it's time for the lightning round. Now, in the lightning round, uh, I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Your job is to answer as many of them as you can in 60 seconds. You're allowed to pass on any question, but should you do so, you do not get credit for that question. So with that, we'll go ahead and we'll put 60 seconds on the clock. Roger, what's your favorite Pandora station? Oh, classic rock. And what's the most times you ever skipped a track in a row on a Pandora station? Whew, most times. Probably not many. Okay. Two or three. All right. Why won't Apple put Pandora on the HomePod? Are they afraid of you? You know, uh, it's not. they're not just picking on us. They're picking on all the music services. That's I think true. they want to favor their own. Uh, Hint Water or LaCroix? Oh, water. Have you ever ridden a scooter around uh, San Francisco or the East Bay? I have. And uh, how did it make you feel? Uh, free. <laughs> <laughs> What's something that should definitely be on the blockchain? Music rights. Mm. Uh, last show you finished on Netflix? The Punisher. Mm. When's uh, What's the last good book you read? Uh, well, the one I'm in the middle of right now is... Uh is uh, Sapiens, mm, a history of humanity. It's interesting. I agree. I read that earlier this year. Uh, is Westworld a good show? You know, it lost me after about the second episode, so uh, not in my book. All right. Well, your answer completed after a minute was over, so that one does not count. I'm sorry, even though I agree with you about Westworld. <laughs> All right. We're going to total up your points. Eight points in the lightning round, bringing your cumulative total to 38. Coming up next, it's time for the wild card round. But first, these messages. Our show sponsor is Darn Tough Vermont Socks. 
They weren't sure about our laugh track either, but like any other early stage investment, they've got to take some risk if they want that sweet, sweet reward. Darn Tough makes premium merino socks at their mill in Northfield, Vermont. They're committed to doing one thing better than anyone else, making the world's most comfortable, durable, best-fitting socks. And they back this promise up with an unconditional lifetime guarantee. If you can wear out their socks, they'll replace them free of charge for life. Use promo code CONVERGE at checkout for 20% off your first order at darntuff.com. And if you have worn out their socks, I want to hear about it. Tweet at me. Tweet at me how you wore out a pair of socks. The world needs to know. Hi, Converge listeners. This is Amanda Clute, Eater's Editor-in-Chief, and I want to tell you about a new show that we just launched on PBS with Chef Marcus Samuelson. I think you'll really like it. Every Tuesday, Marcus explores the food and culture of the different immigrant community across the United States, like the Arab-American community and their cuisine in Dearborn, Michigan, Vietnamese food in New Orleans, Haitian food in Miami, and the list goes on and on. I really like the show because I'm learning about new cultures and foods that I didn't know existed in the U.S. So I hope you check it out. It airs every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. on ear.com slash no passport required or on PBS. Now we come to the wild card rounds. In the wild card, we reach into the Convergitron 5000 to play a game generated by some of the world's most sophisticated algorithms. And earlier today, we selected the ultimate playlist challenge. Before us is a deck of cards containing common situations in which people listen to music, such as Backyard Barbecue. Roger, you will draw a card from the deck and must then name two songs you would put on that playlist and why. Then I will draw a card and submit two songs of my own. We'll go back and forth until I tire of it. And at the end, we will evaluate each other on presentation, musical knowledge, and whether we would personally dance to the songs suggested by the other person. Do you have any questions? <laughs> no, let's do it. All right, let's do it. I'm going to mix up the cards here. Go for it. Running. Wow, real real tough one to start you out with here. <laughs> All right. Any songs that you would run to? Um, you know, I like to run to ska music, so I'd have to run to something by the Mighty Mighty Boston's probably. Okay. Very good. That's one. Can you give me another? Uh, fish. Fish. All right. Um, I would not have pegged you as a ska person. I was in high school when ska was kind of having its last major revival. So I, I can be honest, I did go to a Real Big Fish concert. Yeah. I don't know if that band means anything to you personally. Oh, but yeah. They, no, I yeah. listen to them uh, most mornings when I run. All right. Well, there you go. It's, it's the best music to run to. It's very, I will, I'm going to have to try that. Um, I actually, I don't run. It's hard on the knees. Uh, all right. Here, I'm drawing a card. Road trip. Hmm. When I think road trip, I think old school hip hop. You know, something that takes you back to, frankly, a more innocent time, hypnotized by the notorious B.I.G., and then No Diggity by Blackstreet, a song that always puts me in a good mood. So that is my answer for road trip. Roger, draw a card. Break up. Oh, oh this is a hard one. That this is a hard, hard one. one. I know. That's a hard one. It is a hard one. (laughs) (laughs) Or can we trade cards? uh, Yes, I'm happy to do breakup if you want. Uh, Do breakup. It will affect your presentation score, but you can draw another card if you like. All right, draw another one. All right. The beach. The beach. Okay. Okay. Uh, Well, you know, I like to surf at the beach, so I'd have to... I'd have to go with Beach Boys, Surfing USA, California Girls. Come on, there's so many good songs. Those are great. Listening to the Beach Boys at the beach, you know, some people might say it's a little on the nose, but I'm not going to say it's the wrong songs to listen to. 
All right, I took the breakup card in a very unusual moment on Converge where a guest handed me their card. This might be a first, actually. But breakup is a great card for me as somebody who's just generally sad a lot. So I would say good breakup music. I'll, I'll do two. I mean, one kind of a classic, I think, would be like Jeff Buckley, like Hallelujah. Oh. You know, something, yeah, that just really like digs under your skin yeah, and makes you sad. But... There's uh, a newer artist who I love. His name is Julian Baker, and she put out a record uh, a couple years ago and has a song on it called Something. And man, if you haven't listened to Something by Julian Baker and you just want to feel a lot of feelings at the same time, I highly recommend it. I had a chance to see her uh, live, and man, what an incredible voice she has. That is my answer for Breakup. Roger, it's now on to you. 80s prom. 80s prom. Very exciting. Oh, now, yeah. I, now, you don't have to date yourself, but can I ask, did you maybe go to a prom in the 80s? I did, yeah. All right. So yeah. you should be in a good position to answer this one. Yeah. Well, let's see. It's got to be, it's got to include Bon Jovi. <laughs> yes. So I'd have to say living on a prayer. <laughs> okay, very solid. Um, and then maybe uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Oh, also a very good one. Both those songs would also work for any uh, wedding as well, I might they say. They would. It's kind, of a, right. kind of a twofer. <laughs> All right, let's see. What do we got here? Country wedding. Wow. All right. So I'm a little bit out of my wheelhouse here, having never been to a country wedding. But certainly, I have enjoyed country music. So I'm going to say Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain, (laughs) which always gets everyone on the dance floor. And then, speaking of dancing, Garth Brooks' The Dance, a very kind of sweet, slow song. Maybe get, you know, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa up there dancing. And, you know, have a great country wedding. I feel very good about that answer. All right. All right. Roger, it's your turn. Canada Day. Canada Day. Canada Day. Now, be very careful because our Canadian listeners have a lot of pride in their country. And every time Canada Day comes around, I have to imagine music is a big part of that. I actually don't. I have not celebrated Canada Day myself. But there's a lot of amazing Canadian musicians out there. You know, one of my all-time favorite bands, and going back to high school days, my, you know, my band used to play a lot uh, of uh, of these artists' music is Rush. Rush, all right. Oh yeah, I Getty mean, Lee, Getty Lee, Neil Peart, Alex Lifeson. Talking about three fantastic musicians. So, uh, in honor of Canada Day, I'd have to put Rush up there, and also because I'm a huge Rush fan. That's that's great. <laughs> and I think Rush would be an excellent way to celebrate Canada Day. You know, you've mentioned your, your band several times. What, what, like, can you tell us a little bit about, like, the genre of music your band plays? You know, we, we it's a band that's made up of uh, CEOs. Oh, so nice. we obviously do it for fun, but we do it to raise money for charities, too. So, you know, the, this band and a prior version of it have raised uh, over $8 million for charities. Nice. As a result, you know, what we do is we try to play music that everyone's going to know. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of classic rock, some more modern songs too, but generally everybody in the crowd is going to be able to sing the words to every song that we play. Gotcha. So maybe a little bit of rock and roll, some... It's mostly rock and roll. Yeah. All right. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. All right. And I draw the final card, pump up the team, which Roger clearly gave me this card to, you know, make me do badly as a non-athlete. But I'm going to rise to the challenge and do it anyway. Look, we all love jock jams. If you grew up in the 90s, or we're just around, you probably listen to MTV Jock Jams. And so there's that song by Two Unlimited that is just a... Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? I've got to look this up. Hold on. While you're looking it up. Yeah, look you, it up. We should put Pump It Up by Elvis Costello on that. Oh, Pump It Up. Yeah. On my Pump Up the Team. Yeah, because yeah. it actually has the words Pump It yeah. Up on it. Again, it feels a little on the nose, but I, I think it's a good idea. 
I'm now in the position where I'm just Googling jock jams, which I, which <laughs> this should cut into my score. Roger, feel free to mark me down for this. I think I beat you. This I think you I did. I think I beat you. But I, I, now I'm just very curious about what were some of the other jock jams. Well, tag team, whoop, there it is. I mean, that's, that's always going to pump up the team. And the name of the two Unlimited song that I was looking for was Get Ready For This, which was ironic since I obviously was not ready for this question. But I answered about, it to the best about, of my ability. How about Eye of the Tiger? Survivor. Eye of the Tiger is very on. good. That's a pump up the That's team song. That's a pump song. up the team song. Uh, or if you're just a boxer and you're solo, yes. you just want to pump yourself up, <laughs> you can listen to Eye of the Tiger. Very good. Despite the disastrous end to the wild card round, we have reached its conclusion, and it is now time for us to evaluate each other. Now, presentation. Roger, this is going to be a hard category for you because you did give away one of your cards in flagrant violation of the <laughs> converge rules. So I'm giving you a four on presentation. Musical knowledge, however, I feel like you were able to speak to a wide range of rock and roll songs and, and frankly, a lot of songs that people love, uh, which was the, the point of the game. So I'll give you an eight there. And then would I dance? I, I have to give you a 10. And here's the reason. The one hard card and the would I dance category was breakup and you just gave it away so you really <laughs> stuck to a purely dance oriented vibe today and I respect it was that a strategic move it was a very <laughs> nice little piece of jujitsu there from you so that those are my scores for you now I invite you to score me on presentation musical knowledge and would you dance and uh, you know there's no need to spare my feelings here you can be honest with me okay well presentation yeah um, I'm going to score you low. Okay, great. Because you had a computer in front of you. You were able to Google songs and I wasn't. So That's completely fair. I'll give you a four on that. That's great. Musical knowledge, mm-hmm. I'm going to score you high because, you know, the fact that you could you could reach deep in rock and hip hop and even come out with some country, that's, I got to give you a nine on that. Yes, that thank was good. you. Would I personally dance to him? On a scale of one to 10, which I realize is a weird way to answer that question. Yeah, I think I probably have to give you an eight on that, too, because there were some good ones. Very good. And with that, it is now time to tally our final scores for the day. So I'm going to do that. And this is a part that we edit out of the show. All right. I've tabulated the final scores. Roger, today on Converge, you scored 60 points and I scored 21 points, which makes you the winner of today's round of Converge. (laughs) I offer you my congratulations. Did you have a fun time here today? I did. It was a really fun time, Casey. Thank you. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for for making uh, sweet music happen, and we will look forward to uh, seeing what happens next in the the great streaming wars of this generation. Roger, thank you for making content with me, and we'll see you next time on Converge. That's today's show. My thanks to Roger Lynch, a Converge guest who actually showed up and then rocked me like a hurricane. Roger, while you may have defeated me today, I have now analyzed your personal game show genome and will use your individual characteristics to develop a personalized way to get my revenge. Thanks to my engineer, Jeremy Dalmas and my editor, Andrew Marino. If you like today's show, tell someone about it. We're coming up on the end of our first season, and if you'd like to hear more Converge, we could use the support. How's the show going so far? I want to hear from you. Thanks to everyone who sends emails to Casey at TheVerge.com, except for the guests who email me to say that they can't come anymore because there's now a dinner they have to attend, which is the thing that happened to me today. I'm Casey Newton on Twitter, and you can always tweet about the show using the hashtag Benghazi. If you want even more of me in your life, I write a daily newsletter about social networks and democracy called The Interface. You can find the link at theverge.com slash interface. Oh, that's right. we got a new URL, baby. And until next time, the Convergitron 5000 is closed. Game over.
Listen, no one likes the word moist. Hearing it, saying it, reading it. But it's especially uncomfortable to feel it between your toes during six hours of binging Westworld. That's why darn tough Vermont makes their socks from merino wool to keep you dry. The thing is, wool-yielding sheep have been ripping around mountains for 10,000 years, and they're straight covered in this stuff. It's the evolution of the most impressive naturally developed fiber the world has ever seen. Darn Tough Vermont has been perfecting socks in Northfield, Vermont for nearly 40 years, and they're so confident your new Darn Tough socks will be the most comfortable, durable, best-fitting sock you'll ever own that they'll guarantee every single pair. Unconditionally, for life! Whether you're running between Sand Hill Road meetings or crushing that Peloton ride, it's time to upgrade your sock drawer. Darn Tough Vermont is giving Converge listeners 20% off their first order at darntough.com with the offer code CONVERGE.